This is already a victory for the ages. Well, victory for Tuesday, anyway. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM Ridgecrest in China Lake, California. Also up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1. Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. You can run, but you can't hide from the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com thank you for joining us today boy is a well it was a big big news night last night it's another big news day today uh first with that special election for the u.s house in georgia's 6th congressional district and the drama that played out last night as 100 percent unverifiable votes as I have warned, uh, were tallied in the very Republican district and uh, as, wait for it, a computer glitch happened right in the middle of all of it as the uh, corporate media enjoys calling it a computer glitch uh, and it derailed derailed the tally at a very crucial moment uh, in one of the Republicans' best counties in that district. More on that in a moment. And... This afternoon, the news that, uh, that well, you would have seen coming had you listened to the broadcast uh, every weekday uh, or, frankly, merely were a sentient human being, frankly, at this point. Fox News' biggest star, Bill O'Reilly, has been fired. Yep. Uh, so we will have the no-spin news on that coming up shortly. Uh, And if you want to talk about any of it, I will try to get to some phone lines today if I can. If you're listening in our Southern California listening area or anywhere else uh, where you're hearing us live, our number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735 if you want to get in line. Also, Desi Doyen will be joining us with the latest Green News Report. Hi, Des. Hey. Uh, Boy, you're just um, little Miss Sunshine today. Uh, (laughs) We've got toxic chemical spills, oil spills. All your favorite things. Um, But uh, actually some good news out of... uh, uh, Great Britain. 
Yes, for a change. at least Great Britain's so got some good So there is that. So as all hell uh, falls apart today on the show, you can have that to look forward to. Um, speaking of uh, what you would have seen coming if you listened to the broadcast every day, this, again, is precisely precisely what we have been warning about, why I drive you crazy about this uh, year after year after year, and certainly over the past few weeks as we've entered this special election season for the U.S. House. We'll start here. Uh, Last night, Democrat John Ossoff will advance to a runoff in Georgia's special election after narrowly failing to clinch a majority of the vote on Tuesday night in order to avoid another election in late June, according to The Hill. Ossoff led the crowded 18-candidate field in Tuesday's jungle primary to fill the seat vacated by Donald Trump's Health and Human Services Secretary, uh, Congressman Tom Price. Uh, But since Ossoff did not clear the 50 percent threshold, He will now have to compete in a runoff with the second-place finisher, Republican Karen Handel, Georgia's former Secretary of State. That uh, that runoff will be on June 20. The Hill notes the Democratic hopes that Ossoff could win outright on Tuesday evening were, uh, were, were, were promising at first, promising thanks to the early vote returns. But then Ossoff's vote share continued to drop as more and more precincts reported their votes. Reports of, again, the Hill and the, 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 the corporate media, technical glitches. These are not glitches. These are failures. These are out-and-out failures. Anyway, the Hill says reports of technical glitches stemming from Fulton County, Georgia, delayed the results for hours as Ossoff hovered right at the 50 percent threshold over which, uh, had he had he gone, he, there would have been no runoff, and the Democratic uh, candidate would have taken that seat in Georgia for the first time in about 30 years. And actually, this so-called technical glitch occurred not when he was right at the 50 percent threshold, but when he was actually right above it at 50.3 percent. So uh, what happened? Well, OK, uh, let's go through this. Because it's just it's maddening, at least for me. We'll see if it's maddening for you. Uh, so uh, the, the, the totals, the, the numbers that we have reported today showed the Democrat John Ossoff with 48.1 percent. Those are uh, the unofficial final results, but they will be the final official final results uh, soon enough. Karen Handel, the Republican, was in second place, way down at 19.8 percent. And then a whole bunch of uh, uh, Republicans uh, and uh, some Democrats and some Indies, independents, uh, followed thereafter. So what really happened here? We may never know what actually happened in Georgia in the congressional uh, district, the sixth congressional district in Georgia. But so here's some background. As we have been warning on this show, Georgia still uses the same 100 percent unverifiable Diebold touchscreen systems. Yes, those goddamn Diebold touchscreen systems, the same ones that they initially installed back in 2002. I have been reporting on them for years. The entire state of Georgia still uses them. So, uh, you know, the years I've been reporting on them going back, you can go back to 2006, you can go back longer than 2006. But in 2006, we had obtained one of those very machines, those George's Diebold touchscreen systems, 
uh, and, and gave it to scientists at Princeton University. This was way back in 2006. They were able to hack that machine in about 60 seconds. It's the, the first known hack of one of these Diebold touchscreen machines. Uh, and they were able to place a, a vote-flipping virus on it that could then pass itself from machine to machine and flip the results of an election without detection. That was 2006. Since then, these same machines have been hacked over and over and over again, but they still shamefully use the same completely unverifiable, easily hackable, often failed voting machines for every voter at the polling places in Georgia now some 15 years later. In addition to that, as we covered in detail on this show with computer expert Barbara Simons of VerifiedVoting.org a few weeks ago, the Center for Elections at Kennesaw State University, which programs all of Georgia's electronic uh, poll books, yes, they are now electronic in Georgia, too, the poll books are instead of paper, uh, so the poll books, as well as uh, they also program all of the Diebold voting systems in the state. Well, that uh, Kennesaw State University Center for Elections was itself hacked last month in what we described at the time as a massive data breach of the stater, uh, state voter file. It uh, potentially, according to the state, potentially affected some seven and a half million voter records. So given that reported data breach last month, which the FBI was brought in to investigate, and the fact that Georgia still runs unverifiable, paperless elections, the computer scientists and e-voting uh, systems experts at VerifiedVoting.org had asked Georgia's Secretary of State, a hard-right Republican by the name of Brian Kemp, to make paper ballots available for this special election. Since it's being seen as a bellwether for, uh, for 2018, millions of dollars have been donated by, the, by grassroots progressives uh, in, towards uh, John Ossoff and then panicking Republicans putting in uh, millions of dollars of their own. Nonetheless, the Georgia Secretary of State, um, Brian Kemp, refused to make paper ballots available, and he said that the data breach at Kennesaw State University was nothing to worry your pretty little heads about. OK. And then, in addition to that, over this past weekend, a number of, of those electronic poll books I mentioned, uh, these they are computers. A number of those e-poll books were stolen from a poll worker's car at a Kroger grocery store. But the theft was apparently not uh, made public uh, for for some two days thereafter. And when it was reported, it was misreported by a bunch of news outlets calling them voting machines that were stolen. They were not voting machines. They were electronic poll books used to sign people into the polls. But I had to answer to a lot of misinformed folks on on Twitter last night as uh, as these tabulation I'll get to in a moment was going on in Georgia they were concerned that voting machines were stolen and people somehow might have been able to vote with those with those stolen voting machines. No, they weren't able to vote. There may have been other things they could do. We talked about it a little bit yesterday uh, on the show, but they could not uh, they could not vote with those machines. All right. With that background and uh, in a district that has gone Republican 
since 1978, when Newt Gingrich first won a seat that he held for about 20 years, and then Congressman Tom Price, who's now the HHS secretary, he's held it for about 10 years. Democrats were very, very hopeful that suddenly that John Ossoff, this 30-year-old political newcomer who, who, who had lit up the grassroots, that Ossoff might be able to win might be able to get 50% plus one that would be needed to win the seat outright last night in order to avoid a June runoff. Once the uh, Republican, you know, he was running against a split field of Republicans. So once the Republicans had their candidate, had their second place finisher, if that's what happened, uh, then they would have, uh, you know, they'd coalesce around the Republicans. So they wanted to avoid that runoff if possible. Now, it was always going to be an uphill climb. Uh, climb. Tom Price, the congressman who vacated the seat, he won the district last November, the Republican there, by some 27 points. But Trump, Donald Trump, barely won in the 6th district in Georgia by just over one point. He's wildly unpopular there, at least by Republican standards. Uh, Romney had taken the district by uh, 20 points back in 2012. So these energized Democrats were running against this unpopular Republican president for an open congressional seat. The odds were long, but Ossoff was running against this very split field, some 18 candidates all running at once. And Ossoff was way ahead of the pack in the pre-election polling. He had about 43 percent on average or more, according to those uh, to those polls. And then. After the close of polls last night on Tuesday night, as numbers started being reported from the six districts, uh, three different counties, uh, DeKalb, Cobb and uh, and Fulton, uh, Ossoff, uh, with the early numbers, came in really well. He was well several points above 50 and Democrats were very excited. Now, that's not a surprise, given the big early turnout uh, for 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 Democrats in early voting. Those votes are usually tallied first. We've seen a similar pattern before in special elections in Kansas uh, last week, for example, on that U.S. House special election. And even back in the presidential election in November, Democrats come out. They get they're good at early voting, not as good at, uh, on Election Day voting as Republicans seem to be. But in any event, once Election Day numbers started coming in, Ossoff, who had the lead well above 50 percent, his lead began to narrow. It began to get creep closer and closer to that 50 percent threshold. Now, that's not a surprise. This is, again, a very red uh, district, and it's uh, you see generally better turnout for Republicans on Election Day. But then with the race narrowing and 100 percent of the precincts uh, counted, at least reporting in in DeKalb County, which is the most populous uh, and the best county for Ossoff, 100 percent in in DeKalb, 100 percent in for in Cobb County. At that point, Ossoff was hovering at 50.3 percent, just above the 50 percent mark. But Fulton County, with those other two counties in by 100 percent, Fulton County was not yet in. This is the home, by the way, of the Republican frontrunner in this race, Karen Handel. She's from Fulton County. And all of a sudden the counting stopped and it seemed to be stopped for hours and hours because it actually was stopped for hours and hours with Fulton County stuck at just 16 percent of the vote counted. The other two counties, 100 percent done. They're in. It's over. But Fulton County is stuck at 16 percent. 
what the hell was going on. Now, we have seen this sort of thing before where you have a Democratic candidate who does very well as numbers first come in, and then there's some computer glitch, as the media calls it, uh, when the numbers are coming in, when they're being tallied, and uh, when the computer comes back up, suddenly the Democrat has fallen behind. So what happened last night? Well, at 11.05 Eastern time, that's uh, Georgia, this is Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta, uh, at 11.05 Eastern time, we get a report from Drew McCoy on, on Twitter, says our on-site reporter says that Fulton County is having, wait for it, technical difficulties. They are on the phone with tech support. I'm not joking, he writes. I was at 11.05 p.m. After everyone had been waiting for this last county to come in that was stuck at 16 percent, that we're all watching as John Ossoff hovers 0.3 percent above that 50 percent threshold, the computers are down. Decision Desk HQ tweeted a few minutes later that apparently one memory card out of hundreds created an error. They... they uh, they need to manually go through them and re-upload everything in Fulton County, Georgia, in the GA and the Georgia 06 race. A memory card. A memory card failure. Now, these memory cards, these are the cards that when you, when you vote on a touchscreen voting system or you vote on a paper ballot system where they count the ballots at the precinct on a computer, all of those results go onto a memory card, like a flash drive that you might put into your into your computer. And at the end of the night, that card is then taken and it's brought back to county headquarters and it's stuck into another computer and it's totaled up with all of the other uh, results. And then the results are eventually reported. Well, one of these memory cards failed, went down. And it's not unusual. It's not rare at all. These are crap memory cards. It's a crap uh, voting, electronic voting system, especially these old Diebold systems. But it went down. So they had to, They at least they said it went down. They had to go through all the cards to try to figure out which one it was. The error was apparently blocking any additional uploads of results. So everything was stuck at, uh, at 16, 16%. And the media was there. AP was there. WSB TV from Atlanta was there. Everyone was there. And WSB TV reported just in rare data data error from one of the cards means that Fulton County will have to manually go through hundreds of cards to find the culprit. It was at 1137 p.m. Finally, almost at midnight, Decision Desk uh, HQ tweets out, in all caps, they found the card with the error in Fulton County. This was after everyone had been waiting for hours. Now, I don't care about the waiting part, but the fact that it was stuck there at 16 percent and the fact that the number of reported results and the fact that uh, that the Democratic candidate had to clear 50 percent and here he was stuck at 50 0.3% for hours and hours when it is so easy for anyone to get access to these systems, to, for insiders to get access to these systems and change the results in any way, shape, or form they like with little possibility of detection. Uh, Kyle Wingfield of uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution noted uh, right after they had found the card with the error that, uh, as, as everyone was watching and waiting, that uh, Ossoff happened to have, at that moment, 88,562 votes. 
the top five Republicans that he was running against also happened to have 88,562 votes. Exactly. The Democrat had the same number as the top five uh, Republicans when the counting completely stopped for several hours. What does that mean? Don't know, but just pointing it out. Because when Fulton County finally came back after they had found the card and after they said, OK, we're now running results again after that happened. And Fulton finally came back and started reporting numbers. Uh, Ossoff dropped from 50.3 percent, which would have won the seat outright on Tuesday night, down to 48.6 percent. As of today, his number has settled down at 48.1 percent with Karen Handel, the Republican opponent, far behind at 20 percent. Now, as I noted uh, when the uh, last night on Twitter, when the Fulton County uh, uh, count was stuck at 16 percent and both the other two counties had finished at 100 percent, I said I tweeted, hey, if I'm John Ossoff, I get to a court right now and have all of those memory cards in Fulton locked down and sequestered for a forensic investigation and forensic inspection. They should certainly sequester and examine that that bad one that they said to have found and find out, did it really fail or was it in some fashion manipulated? We don't know. We don't know. Bev Harris of BlackBoxVoting.org tells me via email this morning that Fulton County, Georgia, she writes, is uh, is dirty as heck. Its elections administrator is from Williamson County, Texas, where they were trying to boot him out for election irregularities. But he took over in Fulton while the Fulton elections administra- uh, administrator was in jail. Yes, the previous Fulton elections administrator went to jail. Uh, that administrator also provi- presided over numerous irregularities, says Bev. The current Fulton elections director used to work for Hart Intercivic, a uh, another voting machine company. So she says he knows his way around voting systems technology. Now, not long uh, after all of this has ha- had happened, it was confirmed that in fact Ossoff would face Handel uh, in a runoff in June, about two months from now, during which Republicans are expected to coalesce around her, and Ossoff will have a much much harder time. In winning that seat, Cook Political Report still regards the race for now as a toss up. Uh, But what what happened? What happened when the tabulators went down? We will likely never know. Was the race stolen in in those moments after Republicans uh, figured out how much they would need to avoid Ossoff winning outright? Flipping the seat, uh, uh, you know, to a Democrat for the first time in about 30 years had he won? Now, he did win. To be clear, he did win, but he did not win with uh, just he was just a few, uh, I think, a thousand or two uh, votes shy of what he would need to win the seat outright. Was it uh, a simple run of the mill error, a malfunction, uh, as is being reported today, like those which seem to happen all the time, not only with Diebold systems, but also with electronic voting and tabulation systems? Was it stolen or was it just a failure? Don't know. And we likely never will know. And that is the problem. That is the concern. I had all kinds of people last night on on Twitter, uh, Democrats, progressives shouting at me that Republicans stole it. Republicans stole it. I'd love to tell them 
that they did steal it or that they didn't steal it. But I can't because nobody knows. Nobody is allowed to oversee the voting in the entire state of Georgia because of their 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems. And by the way, had the same thing happened uh, with the parties reversed, it would have been Republicans who have been yelling the same thing at me. Democrats stole it. Democrats stole it. So, you know, that's a problem. And no wonder that folks have so little confidence in our voting system. This is the same. This is the system that we have used now for years and years and years. And I come out here every day, it seems like, for the past 15 years, and I yell at you about this. And I try to point it out, and I yell at Democrats about this. Remember, it was Democrats who failed to, uh, to bother to ask for a, a hand count after the uh, 2016 presidential election. The Green Party had to do it. Jill Stein. So, uh, you know, little wonder I hear from people who say, oh, voting doesn't make any difference. Well, I disagree. It does make a difference. But when you lose confidence uh, in the voting system because you can't oversee it because we're left after an important election like this saying, well, I don't know, maybe, who knows, it probably uh, was right. Maybe it was stolen. I don't know. It's appalling and it's shameful. It's, it's just it's outrageous. And yet we continue to do it. And so I have to I have to continue to bother you about it. Sorry about that. Uh, got thoughts on any of this? My phone number, I'll try to get to it, is 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. Now, if we just uh, assume that the reported numbers are accurate, and they may well be, who knows? Uh, what happened politically last night? Well, Ossoff outperformed Hillary Clinton's percentages in all three of those counties that make up the 6th District. That's good news for Democrats. More to the point, Democrats outperformed Republican turnout in last year's uh, presidential race by about 20 points. That's the same thing we saw in Kansas in the special election just one week ago. Democrats lost narrowly in that race uh, to fill the U.S. House seat of, uh, uh, I think that was CIA Director Mike Pompeo. But they had a 20-point swing in their direction. Sam Wong, Princeton uh, elections guru, said this is the second election in which the Democratic to Republican margin has swung by about 20 points towards the Democrats since uh, November 2016. GOP, he says, has much ground to make up by November 18. Also, uh, by the way, uh, Sam Wong didn't mention this, but in Los Angeles, in the special election we had to fill a Democratic U.S. House seat about two weeks ago, the Democrats also outperformed the winning presidential candidate, uh, Hillary Clinton, in that case in Los Angeles. Uh, they outperformed her by about 20 points as well. This does not bode well for uh, Republicans in 2018. Nor does it bode well for Republicans between here and there as they try to decide uh, whether to associate themselves with Trump or not on his policies and how to vote, etc. We've got news today that uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, Republican from Utah, chair of the very powerful House Oversight Committee, he's not going to seek re-election in 2018. He's out, he announced. When a president is unpopular like that, members of, uh, of the, the president's own party start to distance themselves from the president. They start to oppose them in legislation. Uh, or, yes, they simply decline to run for re-election, like Jason Chaffetz in Utah. He's out. 
Uh, Sam Wong also notices that there are about five different uh, Republican senators who uh, who won uh, six years ago, who are up for reelection in uh, 2018, who lost by less than 20 percentage points. Those senators got to be looking at the results from uh, from Georgia and from Kansas. Uh, the, the, the five uh, senators, Republican senators who are going to be up for election, who lost by less than 20 points. Dean Heller in Nevada. Uh, Jeff Flake in Arizona. Ted Cruz in Texas. Does Ted Cruz now have to be careful? Maybe so. Deb Fisher in uh, Nebraska and Roger Wicker in uh, in uh, uh, Mississippi. All five of those Republican senators could be in trouble, at least if the American people are allowed to vote, are allowed to vote the way they want to vote and are allowed to oversee the results of the election to make sure they are accurate. In Georgia, uh, looking forward to the runoff in June, Republicans are now up by one point. If you add together all of the Republican votes versus all of the Democratic votes in that primary on Tuesday night, Republicans now have about 50.5 percent of the votes. Democrats have 49.4. So they're down a point. John Ossoff is going to have to catch up. Uh, So the GOP now has a good chance of winning in, in the June runoff as opposed to losing the whole seat. But Donald Trump is not helping. Just after that error on those voting machines uh, on the, uh, uh, the tabulators last night, just after that error, uh, just after it was corrected in any case, uh, and, and it looked like, uh, in fact, the, uh, this race was going to a runoff, Trump tweeted, despite major outside money, fake media support and 11 Republican candidates, big Republican win with runoff in Georgia, he added, glad to help. Well, <laughs> how much how much help was he? Uh, not much help at all. The uh, the, the folks who tried to uh, ally themselves closest with Donald Trump, they lost among the worst of all of the Republicans who were running last night. Bob Gray, who made allegiance to Trump, the cornerstone of his campaign, he got about 10 percent of the vote. Bruce Lavelle, who was head of Trump's diversity coalition, he got less than one percent of the vote. Uh, Fox News commentator Sean Hannity had endorsed a woman, Amy Kremer. Uh, her bid went nowhere. Uh, Ex-Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski had stumped for uh, Lavelle as well, who got 1% of the vote. Newt Gingrich ha- had uh, had endorsed uh, one of the candidates uh, who got, uh, what did he get, about, well, not, not far at all. I don't have his number there uh, in front of me. But, uh, yeah, Trump did not seem to help in this race, despite saying, glad to be of help. Gavin Newsom, the uh, California lieutenant governor, said uh, replied to that, said, yes, thank you for your help in galvanizing Democratic support and allowing Ossoff to take first place in a deeply red congressional district. Jeff Guerin noted that the final polling average for Ossoff, the pre-election polling, was 42.5 percent. And Ossoff actually gained ground after Trump had weighed in uh, in the race a few days ago on Twitter, calling Ossoff a super super liberal. So Jeffrey Guerin said, uh, thanks for the help as well. 
Uh, so there you go. Now, for her part, uh, can't, and I'm running late, so I can't get to it, but uh, Karen Handel, uh, who, who reportedly came in second, uh, will be the Republican nominee. Um, she is, uh, well, she, she gave a 10-minute speech herself last night and did not mention Donald Trump once. She is also running away from the, from, uh, from the president. And... Um, and she has struggled in recent uh, races. She, uh, her two most recent campaigns, she ran for governor and senator. She lost in the primaries both times. She's also very unpopular among Democrats and progressives and, uh, and Republicans who support Planned Parenthood because she was working for the Komen Foundation to cure breast cancer. And she was the one who tried to, to pull its contributions to Planned Parenthood which screens uh, millions of women for breast cancer. We had Jim Dean, uh, brother of Howard Dean, uh, the, the chair of, uh, of uh, Democracy for America, on the broadcast earlier this week. I'll refer you to bradblog.com to download that interview because he talked about Karen Handel and the, uh, the problems that she very well may have in this June runoff. Uh, for his part, uh, John Ossoff, in a statement shortly after 1.30 a.m., formally accepted that there would be a runoff. He says he's ready to fight on and win in June. It sounds like he's not challenging the results of whatever happened last night. And that runoff in June, of course, will also be held on 100 percent unverifiable, easily hackable, oft-failed, debold touchscreen machines, the same ones that failed yesterday, the same ones that were first installed in Georgia in 2002. And that is once again what the Democrats and the Republicans will have to run on in June. Good luck with that, Democrats. All right. When we come back, uh, some of your calls and Bill O'Reilly, Fox's top star who has been with them from the start, has now been fired amidst multiple sexual harassment complaints and millions of dollars in settlements. That story is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. I guess that's what a message. To Bill O'Reilly from Fox News, we'll get to your phone calls momentarily. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. 
Uh, if you have thoughts on the uh, Georgia, what happened last night with those uh, Georgia elections uh, or Bill O'Reilly or anything else, here we go. Bill O'Reilly will not return to the air. Uh, at least not to the Fox News air and probably not anybody's air anywhere anymore. Uh, the embattled, the disgraced Fox News host is out. In a statement released Wednesday, the uh, parent company of Fox News, 21st Century Fox, announced that O'Reilly had lost his job at the Fox News channel. Uh, quote, after a thorough and careful review of the allegations, the company and Bill O'Reilly have agreed that Bill O'Reilly will not be returning to Fox News channel. His ouster brings an abrupt and embarrassing end to his two-decade reign as one of the most popular and influential commentators in television history. Uh, I'm sorry, I should say in television, in current television cable news, according to Raw Story. Uh, O'Reilly's uh, departure comes just two weeks, uh, uh, two and a half weeks after an investigation by The New York Times revealed that Fox and 21st Century Fox had repeatedly stood by O'Reilly even as sexual harassment allegations piled up against him. The Times had found uh, that uh, the company and O'Reilly reached settlements with five different women who had complained about sexual harassment or other inappropriate behavior by O'Reilly totaling some $13 million in settlements. The, uh, the Times reports that since then, more than 50 advertisers have abandoned his show. Women's rights groups have been calling for his ouster inside the company, the Times reports. Women were expressing outrage uh, and questioned whether the executives there were serious about maintaining a culture based on trust and respect they had promised last summer. Uh, you know, to to clean up the place uh, after the ouster of Fox News chair and founder uh, Roger Ailes, also on multiple sexual harassment complaints. Late last week, we had Eric Bollert of Media Matters on the broadcast uh, predicting that, in fact, yes, Bill O'Reilly's days were, in fact, numbered. If you can't sell ads on a show, even though you have a really big audience, it becomes a charity. Uh, and that's the, that's what Rupert Murdoch and the and the Murdoch sons are now wrestling with with O'Reilly. They used to run 18 minutes of ads per show. Now they're running seven minutes of ads per show. Uh, you know, it's a public company. Are, are are they willing to literally run a charity at eight o'clock at night every night because they don't want to admit defeat? Uh, so you know, certainly they would never fire. Uh, O'Reilly because he's an awful person or says awful things. The only reason they would let him go is because um, they can't monetize his show. And apparently they can't. He is out after uh, he had taken a, a gone on vacation, an early vacation last week. The uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch and his uh, his sons, who now run Fox News, have been apparently reportedly fighting about whether to get rid of O'Reilly altogether. Uh, we knew it wasn't looking good last night when uh, when the Wall Street Journal broke the story that Fox was preparing to cut ties with Bill O'Reilly. The Wall Street Journal, of course, owned by Rupert Murdoch. So uh, O'Reilly is now out at Fox News. Kind of incredible. You can hear the rest of that uh, that uh, interview with uh, with Eric Bollert on the broadcast uh, by stopping by Bradblog.com to talk about it. 
You had a thought, Des, you wanted yes. to get in here? Yeah. Yes, this is one thing that just is driving me batty, which, you know, obviously is not Short that difficult. Short drive, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, uh, that Bill O'Reilly's lawyer put out a statement and has been putting out statements claiming that this whole all these settlements and all these lawsuits against him that were settled by Fox News, that these were all a far left-wing right. conspiracy, yeah. you know, that, that it was the far left that was going after him and a witch hunt trying to, to bring him down, except for the logical fact that all of these women were people that he worked with. They worked at Fox News. Together. So the, the far left uh, conspiracy was apparently coming from inside the house. <laughs> yes, exactly. So <sighs> let me uh yeah. I just had to point that out because that, that's one of those things that, that yep. seems to get be getting lost on the yes. wayside. Oh, it was is the that, far left. The far yeah. left did him in. Uh, all these secret Fox uh, far left people at Fox News. Yeah, I don't buy it. Yep. Uh 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's uh, let's hit some phones before we gotta go back to Des with the Green News Report. Uh Samuel in Santa Ana. Uh, blows in here. Uh, how are you, Samuel? Welcome to the broadcast, sir. I'm doing just fine. I, I love the comment of the gentlelady just now about the left-wing conspiracy. It's amazing that they have left-wing conspiracies even inside of Fox. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> she, that's no gentlelady. That's Desiree. But go ahead with your... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so this, yeah. is, this is my, my idea here. I would really love it if you could sponsor the following... What I think would really uh, elucidate, really would enlighten us on what happens when these machines go down, is if somebody could actually sit down, look at the number of times that that has happened, and just tabulate what the percentages are for the Democrats losing as opposed to the Republicans losing when they come back up. Because I think that we would find a really odd coincidence, and that is that almost every single time this has happened, going back uh, several election cycles, it almost always to be frank with you, always, but it almost always seems that it is the Democrats who, by coincidence, when it comes back up, are losers. Could you ask someone or try in some way to sponsor that, some, someone who is a techie who could just sit down and just crunch numbers on that? Because it would be really kind of interesting to see that it was, you know, 98% of the time that it just happened to be that when the machines come up that the Democrats would lose. Well, you know, one of the problems is that we, we don't, uh, we often don't even hear about these problems, particularly on a regular election day where there's, you know, hundreds of elections going on all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it happens in a special election like this and there's only one election going on, then suddenly everybody notices the problem. Or in a presidential election itself. Yes, that happened in 2004 in the presidential election in Ohio as the entire country was waiting uh, for the numbers to come in from Ohio, which would decide the presidency for John Kerry or a re-election for George W. Bush. And what do you know, uh, John Kerry was up and then the computers went down. And when it came back, uh, when the computers came back, John Kerry was behind George W. Bush. And that is how it was reported. So, you know, the problem is it's hard to know. But I I hear your point. Absolutely, uh, Samuel. And. Uh, you know, but I don't even focus on too much of, of how it screws over Democrats because I have seen Republicans also get screwed over by these crap machines, mm-hmm. these uh, failing uh, uh, memory cards that are, are, you know, that seem to come up all the time. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a nonpartisan issue. To me, you know, we have to have democracy in this country or to paraphrase Donald Trump, we don't have a country at all. And that's kind of where we are. We need to. It's got to be overseeable democracy. Yeah, go ahead, Sammy. Okay, no, 
well, I, that was just my yep. two cents. And for the ones that we do know of, obviously yep. we don't know of all of them. But for the ones we do know of, it would be interesting, the OSAF ones or, you know, mm-hmm. all the ones that we do know of. If someone could sit down and look at the ones that are available to us and just see, because I really think that we would find that um, it, we're on the short end of the stick. Uh, and you, you very well may be right. Uh, but, you know, to me and, and for that reason, you need to press Democrats to do something about this and to stop, you know, when they have a chance like they had after the presidential race to count the goddamn paper ballots that existed in Michigan and Wisconsin. They ducked out. They got out. So this is going to be up to the people to uh, to bring some pressure here. Sam, I got to go. Uh, I got a bunch of other callers I want to get to. I really appreciate your call, though. I appreciate you, too, sir. R.I.P. Bill O'Reilly. Thank, thank you, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, a caller who who couldn't um, uh, stay uh, wanted to ask people to call uh, California Secretary of State uh, Alex Padilla and complain about the fact that, yes, Los Angeles, the largest voting jurisdiction in the country, is going to touchscreen voting machines. We're actually moving towards touchscreen voting machines out here in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, kind of nuts. Uh, and he's a Democrat, I should add, Alex Padilla. Uh, so anyway, Justin, uh, let's go to Justin in Hollywood. Hey, Justin, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm concerned that a lot of people, a lot of voters have uh, confusion about these different types of computer-based voting machines that are used in election systems. Um, if, if one logistically was going to try to adjust the tallies surreptitiously on election day or during, you know, at the end of the day, um, this would be done at the tabulator stage, which is the last right. stage of tabulation. That's, that's the most that's direct, where, yeah, the most direct way to do it. Absolutely. It, it's also the the, um, the mechanism or the system with which the fewest people are assigned to operate and to maintain on election day or any other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, as opposed to each precinct, there being precinct workers that come from each county, right? right? So the the thing that I find that the Democrats just aren't getting, and this is separate of the issue of why they did not call for a recount in the 2016 presidential general election um, and why it took the Green Party, and then all of a sudden the Democrats were mm-hmm. supposedly supporting Jill Stein, and so that's a whole other issue. Right question but yep. the thing i'm concerned about is really it's the tabulators yep. because even if you have mm-hmm. let's say you have 10 to 50 percent of the voting machines in any district bold or otherwise i think they're all hackable yep they are i mean i know people in the industry that, that write computer programs and know mm-hmm. that there's no such thing as a non-hackable system like this it can be done even wirelessly you're you're absolutely right uh justin and and the tabulator is the point you're trying to make and i'm I'm going to cut you short only because i got to get to a break here but that yeah that tabulator there's uh the the county elections uh, officials people who work for these private companies who are contracted to maintain these machines they have access to that tabulator system and with the the one they're using in georgia that 2002 Diebold touchscreen uh, system, the tabulator is known as GEMS, it is literally as easy as opening up a file on a Windows-based computer and changing some numbers to completely flip the election. Exactly. 
You don't need to. You don't need wireless hacking. You don't need to hit every machine in the in the in the the the, the county. You don't need to. You know. You don't need to call in uh, Russia or China or Iran to hack machine by machine. The uh, the employees have direct access. Insiders have direct access, and that is the easiest way to flip an election, uh, particularly one that the public has no way of overseeing. Thanks, Justin. I thank you. I appreciate you. your uh, your call. You're right on the money. All right, let's do. Uh, do I need to? All right, let's do this. Uh, hang on. If you're still on the line, hang on the line. We'll take a quick break. We'll try to get to our. Uh, well, we will get to our green news report, and we'll try to close out with a couple more calls at eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. It's maddening, and yet it continues year after year after year as does the Bradcast. We'll be right back. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. You know, if you watched, if you watched Fox News, you wouldn't even know there was trouble with O'Reilly. He hadn't talked about it. They hadn't talked about it. The right wing media hadn't even uh, covered what's been going on over these past two and a half weeks. Yeah, I know. And, you know, one of the things, and I, and I have brought this up before, but it's, I think, really important that, you know, people say, oh, it's O'Reilly and all this stuff. But what they're forgetting about are all the women's who, women whose careers were destroyed by yep. Bill O'Reilly because they either got out of the business entirely and they didn't complain or they just, you know, I can't take this anymore. And they left. And that's uh, that's really the saddest part is there were many lives that were messed up with uh, Bill O'Reilly's actions. That is Desi Doyen. I'm Brad. Brad Friedman, welcome back to the Bradcast. We uh, should get straight to our Green News report yes. here. So we have a couple of minutes left for a few more callers. Um, but uh, but I just wanted to note that because well, that's big breaking news, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill O'Reilly out at Fox News. Democrats still in in Georgia, but barely. <laughs> How's it's that? It's the Trump era. All right. Let's get to it then. Our latest Green News report. In northwest Indiana, people are waiting for EPA test results to tell them when it'll be safe to go back to the water. Lake Michigan beaches closed after toxic chemical spill. BP's newest oil spill in Alaska finally shut down after three days. U.S. nuclear company bankruptcy raises questions over unfinished reactors. Good news, March 2017 was not the hottest March on record. Yay! Bad news, it was second hottest. Oh. Plus, London's famous black cabs are going electric. Well, pip pip, all of that and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. According to the head of the EPA and guy who hates the EPA, Scott Pruitt... It's going to create jobs. Yes, repealing environmental regulations will create all sorts of new jobs. Oil refining, fracking, clean water historian. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Keeper of the last six Bs. (laughs) 
Okay, Desi Doyen. Well, BP still seems to have a problem with exploding oil wells, don't they? Yes, unfortunately they do. In Alaska, oil giant BP on Monday announced workers had finally stopped an out-of-control oil and natural gas spill caused by an oil well blowout that was first discovered on Friday on the North Slope near the town of Dead Horse, Alaska. BP officials say they still don't know how much oil was released. The latest well blowout comes just days before the seventh anniversary of the deadly Deepwater Horizon oil well blowout in the Gulf of Mexico that killed 11 men in 2010. No matter what BP ends up telling us as far as how much oil was spilled, it will have been more than that. In Indiana, three beaches at Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore on the shore of Lake Michigan were closed over the weekend after a chemical spill of carcinogenic hexavalent chromium. That's the same chemical made famous in the movie Aaron Brockovich. It was accidentally discharged by a U.S. steel plant in Portage, Indiana, about 30 miles east of Chicago. Municipal water system intakes were also closed along the lake, which serves as drinking water for some 10 million people. Chicago's Department Department of Water Management says tests of Lake Michigan's water found elevated levels of the chemical, but at levels below the federal standard. Hey, I'm glad that Donald Trump and uh, EPA Director Scott Pruitt are trying to cut the Great Lakes cleanup program by 97 percent. Meanwhile, the U.S. nuclear energy industry is taking a hit from competition from cheap natural gas and renewable energy. Westinghouse Electric, now owned by Japanese conglomerate Toshiba, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Federal regulators are are seeking to block Chinese interests from buying Westinghouse and its nuclear data. In Georgia, Westinghouse has two unfinished nuclear reactors under construction, backed by U.S. taxpayer loan guarantees, raising questions of whether the already over-budget and behind-schedule reactor units will ever be completed. What is it they say? Nuclear reactors are the most expensive way the world has ever devised to boil water. Yep. March 2017 was the second hottest March ever recorded in 137 years of measurements, coming in second only to last March for the hottest March on record. That's according to NASA, which also measured parts of the Arctic in March at more than 20 degrees Fahrenheit, warmer than normal. Note that unlike last year's March heat record, this year's March heat record occurred without an El Nino, boosting global temperatures, which scientists say is a clear sign of global warming. Yeah, well, it was cooler this March than last March, so if I'm Fox News, I'm going to say the globe is cooling. And here's the proof. Speaking of global warming, the Arctic has seen a series of heat waves over the last few months, and now new satellite data released by the National Snow and Ice Data Center last week shows that the extent of sea ice in the Arctic Ocean has hit yet another record low for the month of March. That's the sixth month in a row of record low or near record low sea ice extent in the region. For some reason, that doesn't come up on Fox News. In Greenland, NASA on Monday released photos of an unexpected new crack along the ice shelf of one of Greenland's largest glaciers, the Peterman Glacier. The new crack is very close to another massive crack growing across the glacier's ice shelf. If it breaks off, scientists say it will accelerate the glacier's progression into the ocean, and that will contribute to sea level rise. Mm. But some good news. The Association of Air Pollution Control Agencies released a new report this week that shows EPA regulations have been working. Levels of six major air pollutants have fallen more than 70 percent since 1970, and releases of toxic air pollutants from industry fell more than 50 percent in just the 10 years between 2005 and 2015. Finally, the famous black cabs of London are upgrading to new, clean, all-electric taxis in 2018. The new plug 
plug-in electric version will look like the old ones and will go 70 miles on a single charge and have a small gasoline engine on board to generate electricity between recharges. London cabbies will save an estimated $17,000 a year in fuel costs and residents will breathe cleaner air. Nice. For all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Maybe you can drive my car. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Let's get uh, hit a couple of quick calls here on the way out. You'll have to be quick about it. Callers, uh, George in Coarse Gold, California. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. You bet. Um, I haven't been real impressed with Tom Perez's uh, leadership of the uh, DLC so far. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the uh, Democratic... DNC, uh, yeah. DNC. Um, you know, in Kansas, that... Uh, Democrat wasn't supported by the Democratic Party until the very end. They, they made some phone calls for him. Mm-hmm. He lost. This guy in uh, Georgia, I don't know if the Democrats have put any money in there, but uh, it seems like they don't understand anything about voter integrity and, and making sure these uh, we have paper ballots. I don't know why they don't get the message. I don't know why they don't get that message either. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Democrats did come into the Georgia race, but once again, it was the grassroots. It was the progressives. It was Daily Coast. It was Democracy for America who led the way. Don't wait for the DNC to help you out here. The DNC, the DCCC, you now lead them. They work for you. Um, uh, they'll come around the way the Republicans eventually came around to the Tea Party's uh, way of thinking uh, because uh, the, the voters, the Tea Partiers, uh, insisted they did. Progressives need to insist that's what happens with the, uh, with the Democrats as well if they wish to make the Democratic Party the progressive party. Thanks, George. Uh, I appreciate that call. And finally, oh, I always love cl- cl- closing out with uh, Morris here. Our old friend Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, congratulations to Bill O'Reilly. He's going to be the new White House press secretary in this uh, <laughs> My boy Spencer's on the way out. Thanks a lot. You, you know what? You you might be absolutely right, Mo. Uh, I was thinking that uh, Bill O'Reilly would probably never work again, but I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Sp- uh, Sean Spicer out. Bill O'Reilly in as spokesperson. He'd be perfect for the White House. He's got the same sexual harassment allegation backgrounds. He's a great liar. Uh, he's fantastic at spinning everything, even while he's saying he is not spinning anything. It's a perfect fit. Great idea, Mo. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, to our board operator, G. Good to see you back again, G. And uh, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other broadcast, you can download it as ever for free at bradblog.com. Uh, We will be back again tomorrow with another thrilling episode. I have no idea what we'll be talking about, so I can't tease it. Uh, But you can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, join the crowd and start yelling at me now. I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.